Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the Endless Silks podcast. I'm Anthony, I'm the host here for tonight, and delighted to be joined by one and only Mr. Stephen Thompson. How you doing, mate? All good, mate, all good. And I tell you what, see earlier this morning, we had a storm over here in Ireland and it caused havoc. And it sounds like it's causing havoc where we are. I cannot believe I can hear the rain. And anyone who's listening, that's actually not an echo. That's the rain we're having. It, it sounds like a monsoon, one of them Amazon rainforest type things. Yeah, it's uh, not the best weather conditions out there, mate. It has to be said. But I've got the, uh, I'm sporting finally my endless Silks t-shirt. Picked it up for, uh, for us last week. And finally gave um, Stephen Coulthard his prize last night as well. So well done to Stephen. And on that note, how is the current uh, Super 6 one? The Super 6, the updated table, still has Kieran in first place on 170 points. Mark Robertson, 157. Alistair Jack in the top three at 148. Joe Finlay, 148. They're joint. Anthony, you're climbing. You're just behind on 147. Kevin has dropped one to 6th place, 146. William Dobbin, 142. Stephen Coulthard is in the top 8 at 140. And rounding off the top 9 is Jamie McIlduff. So, as you said there, uh, Stephen got his, uh, his T-shirt uh, last night. And by all accounts, he's a, he's a happy man. He sent me a wee message today about it. So, we told you the T-shirt was coming. It was just taking a while. But we're there and Anthony's sporting it tonight. And it looks fantastic on you, big man. Thanks very much, mate. Try my best. And uh, yeah, welcome all everybody in the comments as well. It's me, oh, there's a Stephen Prize winner from last season. And from what I can see, he's obviously come back up the table as well. So you just never know if he's going to make it two in a row. Um, but Stephen, after um, uh, obviously really disappointing night against that Atletico on Tuesday, which you guys spoke about on Friday night, there was much chat in the media that you know, Celtic were going to be suffering another European hangover. Aberdeen were coming to you know, create a real title race coming up. But uh, needless to say, it doesn't happen. No, I think if you're if you're looking for a response from, from Celtic, you fairly got it against Aberdeen. I thought that from the first whistle to the, the 100th minute, we were absolutely relentless and there's someone coming in saying you have an echo but i think that's the rain to be honest the, the rain is playing a bit of havoc with a microphone but just bear with us i'm sure it'll even itself out um no but yeah we, we were looking for a response i think the most ironic thing was aberdeen had the best result in in european football they got a draw against paok away from home which was fantastic for them they should have been riding a crest of a wave so to speak confidence quite high but see to be fair they were non-existent and it was it was just one one of them days for for Celtic, everything clicked finally, and we've seen some of the players who come in, as we're going to speak about, played fantastically well. I just thought, like what Roger said, you're looking for that kind of kind of relentlessness, the, the intensity that he wants in the game, the fast build-up play, that the in terms of pass the ball being more thought, like thing about it, methodical about it, picking the right spaces, and the likes of Yang and all really really played well. And I know we're going to them players and look again. It's one of them games, like you said, it could have been a tough one to maybe get into, a tough one to get back in their stride after kind of an embarrassing an loss against the Flatic Madrid. We got beat 6-0, re-responded by, by winning the game 6-0. Couldn't have asked for any more, mate. It was a really great start, and especially with a lot of the players that were coming in. Palma, Yang, Home, all starting yesterday, but Palma's kind of nailed his points down now. But Home and Yang, especially in the first half, absolutely terrific. Uh, see, this is what I was saying all along. See about Yang, he really gets me excited. And see, once he polishes his, his final product, he'll be unbelievable. See the stuff he does with the ball. Like I know Jada was really skillful, but I think Yang possibly has more skills to his to his like a, his whole kind of game as a whole. And there was points in that first half where he was taking on their players, maybe one or two, even three times, skinning them, playing decent balls in them already for one of the goals, which we're going to come on to as well. And Palma, look again, Palma's, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it is, Anthony, but Palma's been playing really well, I think he has nine goal involvements in, in eight games, but it's still Yang who gets me the most excited, and that's probably because he can take a man on, he's got that blister in pace, and he's a bit unorthodox, where Palma, I think, maybe nine times out of ten you can read what he's going to do, but I like what Roger said about him, that when the first brung Palma in, he even referenced it, everything was going back the way, and they've worked on his game where he can kind of go to the byline, whip the ball in, like the goal for for Yang, funny enough, that he assisted him. And 
just a variation to his play because I thought he was very one-dimensional where he was cutting in to the right side and trying to get that shot off and, and defenders were reading it too easily. But what I noticed against Aberdeen was there was times he was taking on, uh, was it Mickey Davlin was the right back? He was going down the, down the side of him and he was kind of confusing him as well. We bit of skill in there. And look, I just think for me, he's, he's a fantastic playmaker to have in the team and free assists and, and a goal for himself. I think for the two wingers to be involved in goals, I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, and two, you know, two quick goals to really kind of, kind of set this tone for the rest of the afternoon. And obviously, the Aberdeen goal had a couple of really good saves um, as the half went on as well. But I also felt, um, say, home getting his first kind of start in a while as well, obviously. In the absence of Rio Hattati, there's uh, going to be some boys all staking a claim for their place. But without being anything too flashy, um, I thought it was quietly effective. I I think with Odin Thiago Homa, I think you're expecting a lot of him to come in and, and obviously set the world like as you said, he's came, basically come in from the cold, getting sent off the Champions League. He wasn't really seen after that being involved in match day squads and obviously Atate gets injured and Rogers has tried Bernardo, he's tried Turnbull and look, Home was obviously going to get his chance and like you said, I thought he was effective. I, I, I was expecting more from him going forward. I was expecting him to get involved in the play high up the pitch, maybe linking up with a regular occasions, but that didn't happen. But I think it will come. I think even Rogers again said that, that he needs to take these opportunities while they're there for him. He needs to come in and stake a claim in, in, for the team. I think Turnbull's kind of doing that. Bernardo's been in and out for European uh, games and look, we all expect a lot from him. I think out of the the cohort of signings, he's probably up over the top four that we're expecting big things off a palm of Yang, you can fit home in there, maybe Bernardo, if we get him on a permanent contract. So, yeah, as you said, he was he's industrious, he has good work rate about him, he gets gets in about it, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes from him. And Jimmy uh, Grant comes in, Anthony is acting a lot. Look, it, it definitely, I, I think it's the rain. There was a wee kind of snippet from the stream platform we use saying there might be a problem with Androids at the moment. So bear with us. It's nothing we can actually fix. It's a platform issue. So hopefully you can hear us and you can stick with us for the for the podcast. Yeah, well, maybe you have to cut a couple of things a wee bit shorter, but hopefully it's, um, hopefully it's not putting off the discussion. I'll try and uh, get to my bits as quick as I can, Stephen. I hope you've got some plenty of water to drink to keep you, uh, keep you going. Really apologise for, for all the it's the audio. That's that's all it is. It's the the background noise, Anthony. So it does keep going the way you are. Okay, okay. I'll try, try my best. My apologies again. And um, but yeah, as I say, two 0 really crazy at half um, at half time. And we were just home. Keep it simple. Nothing too crazy in the second half. And you know, the three points should be coming home. Unfortunately, though, Stephen, within five minutes of that second half, they had a real. Bad collision with um, Kyogo and uh, Defender. You could say full blooded. Um, I suppose there's a few other ways you could describe it as well. Um, it looks like he's obviously not going to go on international duty now and uh, he's going to try and recover here in Scotland, which is supposedly in a selfish way, which way good for us. Um, it saves him clocking up any more air miles. But what was your thoughts on the challenge? Um, because it, it's definitely generated a lot of debate, not just in um, wider, but media, but even within our group chat. I think when, when I first seen it, emotions are, are run high. You see the, the image of Kyogo basically being out cold and Hitting, hitting the pitch, not even like protecting himself, his face, he does face plant it, it looked horrible in real time and even in slow-mo as well look for me it's it's a yellow card, I don't think it's anything more than that, Rubicic after that definitely played up to the fans and he was liking the attention he was receiving which is fair enough, he's trying to make a name for himself in this Scotty's game, it was, it was a full-blooded challenge um, it, Thomas Burns red card, Stephen Coulthard says red card people will have different opinions on it but the way I look at it, it reminded me, it reminded me as in, let me see, do you remember the Simonovic tackle, the uh, Kenny Miller? Yeah. Just that kind of that kind of force, and it looks bad, but he did win the ball. He, he got to the ball first, and unfortunately the collision took him through the man. And I know people are pointing to the fact, dangerous play, like if you look at Mieda against the Flanagan Madrid, he left a, a foot in there, but I don't think he can really, I mean, we know that, in my opinion, the Mieda one wasn't a red card anyway, but oh, no, the fact... Uh, the, the fact that um, it's just bad from our point of view, Kyogo got knocked out. That's what really gets everyone upset and kind of uh, the emotions run high and things like that. And again, people in the comments are saying red card, but I genuinely believe it's it's no more 
then a yellow card, and then Rubicic, I think, oh, come on, and flung him about like a wet tracksuit. So he got his medicine and spade loads after that. Like, I think, oh, had a wee bit of, wee bit of fight in his eyes when he, when he came up against him, just that kind of tenacity, that kind of tenacity that you want from your striker. But if, if we can circle back to, to, to the goals a wee bit as well, Anthony, in the, in the first half, I mean, if, if you look at it, the first one, again, we would have said about Palma. And what I liked about this, as I said, he took it to the byline. And Yang hasn't had a goal yet. And I think he's maybe had one assist. So we spoke about O before. I hope this is like Yang doing, do you know I mean, getting his confidence boost. Because he was at the back post. He met that flush and he just bulleted the header right past Roos in the nets. And I thought it was a great bit of play. You look at the Kyogo goal. I thought Yang played another instrumental part in that, the way he cut in the, into the midfield, played a lovely reverse ball into Matt O'Reilly, and then Kyogo, quick as a flash, comes across her defender and puts it in one-touch finish. And I think by that point, he had five touches, and that just proves how much like we rely on him, and even though he doesn't really get involved in the game that much, but he's there at the time, and that kind of leads on again to the tackle. And It's it's just the emotion side, side of things to me that people are asking for a red card, but... Um, I don't think it was. What, what about you? Well, at, at the time, in the, the real time of the game, obviously you're out your seat and you're, you're going and you know, there should be a rest. I, I, I know the, the sort of say, if such a card existed, it would be more like an orange card. That's the colour that I really like on this channel. But no, I mean, it's, 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 like you say, very full bloody. I think if a red card had been given, there couldn't really be too many complaints if that's the right kind of way to say I could understand why it would be given. Because they do say about endangering an opponent, whether it's accidental or deliberate, it's still endangering an opponent as a red card. So I can understand if I hadn't been given, but like you say, Stephen, and in the contact sport world, I think it's not too bad to say it's a yellow, but it was definitely very, very rash to say the least. And probably the way the act that you see a lot of players when they have an incident like that, they kind of go into the shell a little bit and try not to antagonise too much. But he was up giving it big licks to the crowd once he won a challenge and stuff. So to say that they indeed sell uh, is a bit of an understatement. Anthony, if you put it if you put it on the other foot, if just for example, if Carter Vickers roughed up Mioski or, or Duke like that, you'd be like, "There's the tank, there's the fridge." So I mean, that, that's that that's that's what you expect from your centre half. And look, just because it's on a Celtic player, I'm not going to say I wouldn't want that from my son. I want my centre half to be full blooded and enjoy a challenge like that. Yeah, Kyogo come off second best, and again, I pointed that's why we're emotional because we're seeing. He basically was knocked out on the pitch, and it isn't great to see that. But at the end of the day, Rubicic, to me, is probably one of the most aggressive centre-halves in the Scottish League. He's a big, tall unit, like, and he gets stuck in. I've seen him slay tackle with his head the other week, and that's just the type of guy he seems to be. And Like, like you said as well, he played up for the fans, but it's the, these guys are coming from minnow teams in Europe, and they're trying to make their way in, in, in the Scottish game and probably look for a move in, in the future. And It's a full-blooded tackle, and as I said, as I said is it no more than the other car for me. If you're going to start, for me, if you're going to start doing all that sort of stuff, you're, you're going to referee every moment of the game of VAR. You're going to be looking at every incident and being like, did he win the ball cleanly? Did he did he leave a stud in the, in the shin by mistake? And and look, you go back to the media incident against the Flag of Madrid. As Roger said, the, the, the VAR at that time planted a seed in the referee's head because the still image was 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 there. This, this to me wasn't like that because it's... For one, that didn't need to go to VAR, and two, we've seen clearly that Rubicic won the ball. And as I've always been consistent on the podcast, and I want fair referee decisions, and I'm not just going to backtrack on that because it was against one of our players. And if you if you go back again, if Carter Vickers, if Johnson, who loves the tackle, done that, I'd be buzzing, I'd be cheering that tackle like a goal. And I'm sure there are some Aberdeen fans who were. It's just my take on it. And it, again, a point that it's the emotional side because we all love Kyogo. Um, we don't want him to see him knocked out in the pits 100%. There, for me, there was no malice in it. Yeah, Ruben says he looks like a big prick, and he probably is a bit of a prick, do you know what I mean, in, in his character. But the, the, these teams have defenders like that who just love to get in and get stuck in, and I don't see anything wrong with that. As long as there's no malice in it, then I'm all for it. I mean, there's always going to be those sort of potential incidents on a football park, and I think um, you've got to take that into account sometimes. And like you say, I'm not used to that. I'm not going to be re-refereed um, every two minutes. Um, so, yeah, I suppose we just kind of got to go with it. And it seems to what do you think? 
what did I think? Um, well, yeah, you think just, there... yeah, just, I, I did think I that did at, think at that the time I thought it was a red. But I think on reflection, then I'm, I'm quite. I can understand why it wasn't given. That makes sense. Um, so for me, I, I, I'll go. With, I'll, I'll say referee decision. Fair enough. Yellow card, and you know we move on. And we just obviously hope that the, the injury um, is not too serious, and he's back doing what he does best. Um, hopefully, straight after the international break. Um, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, you're talking about goal, Stephen, and our old friend VAR. Um, and the third goal, um, a foul deemed by, uh, well, not, not deemed by referee Willie Collum on the park. Did get a lot of, um, again, people out of their seats and said, you know, you know that, that that's a stone waller. Or, um, so he went to the, the monitor and, and gave it for a penalty after that. I must admit there was a lot of folks saying, oh, it's, it's never a penalty and whatnot. But for me in this one, I accept that maybe it was touches taking it away for the, the goalkeeper, so he maybe wouldn't have had a snapshot straight away. But for me, it's a foul. It's in the box. And surely a foul in the box means a penalty kick. 100%. Let me try something here because people are saying it's a bad angle. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah? Yep. Talk back to me. Yep, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, we'll, we'll try this. We'll try this for now because people are saying there's a bad angle and it's, there's not much I can do about it in, in terms of that. I hope it's, I hope it sounds okay. So I do, but um, yeah, I mean, the penalty kick for ourselves, I think it's a stonewaller, albeit the ball's going away from him at the time. But the, the, the defender of Robertine still hooked his leg around and caught him. I think it was Jack McKenzie. And um, it, it was a stonewall penalty kick. There can't be no argument from it just because the ball's away from you. If that's any other area of the pitch, and for example, if a defender clears the ball and he gets caught late, it still gets pulled back for a free kick. So there's no, for me, there's no differential if you're in the penalty box and albeit your shot's going wide, if you get took down, it's. So, I mean, it's a penalty kick, in my opinion. And I think Palma, by the way, showed a bit of confidence. Do you know what I mean? And to yeah. step, step up and, and take the free kick and, you know, take the penalty kick, sorry. We know we know he's a set-piece expert from his time in, in uh, the, the Greek League, and that's what he's kind of lauded for coming coming from there. So, maybe he might be the number one penalty taker going forward. That's it. Well, the only that's thing the I didn't like thing I didn't see on that run-up, run-up, you know, stop-stop kind of thing, which I don't like. But it did go in the corner, um, like you say, brilliant penalty. And that kind of saved the game, because you just think if that hunt went in, then it starts to, you know, the fans get a bit, you know, touchy and, you know, bad things It's all, it's all kind of, it's all, you know, it can all fall away from you pretty quickly. But thankfully, we've got that match and we've just kind of got on the subs after that. Um, but just um, that was actually my next step. Uh, my point, would you see Palmer first round? See, at this point, I would do a raffle for the supporters to come on and take a penalty kick. <laughs> we're, we're absolutely a big I was but Did you see that? Um, the, the guy who fell over the the re- his neck, yeah, Ooh. yeah, that was that Stuart, by the way. That was that was awful. It was a it was a sketchy uh, one. Sketchy I have to be seen see by that, that time. My own patience of walking there. I was like, 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 but by the fourth time, everyone's patience had completely gone. And uh, even Joe Hart, I think, was ready. If the steward had not flung the boy, I think Joe Hart was about to about 10 yards behind him. So uh, he's probably lucky it was a steward rather than the England, former England number one. There's still, see this echo balls, by the way, it's doing my head on. Hold on a wee second. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfect, mate. If you got headphones, they're asking if you if you got headphones or earphones of any kind. Not not that would fit on my on my phone though. No. Well, we're just gonna have to persevere. So look, this isn't a top dollar production. 
we we're, we're here and we're we're just trying our best. But no, I think with the 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 pitch invasions and stuff, like I've seen people saying with the with the Green Brigade orchestrating this, and I don't think that was happening. I think that's far fetched to say the least. But I mean, back to the penalty kick. I think for me, um, I'm looking at it. Palma looks the most confident and comfortable of doing it. I think if you look at Turnbull again, possibly it could be him. Matate missed a few. Kyogo for me doesn't. Do you know what I mean? He, he, he goes off instinct. You give him too much time to think, then I think it kind of goes 50 50, in my opinion. But hopefully, Palma can stake a claim for that 100%. Yeah, yeah you're shooting, mate. Absolutely. And then, um, our old friend David Turnbull, third week in a row, a goal for outside the box, took it very well, it had to be said. And, um, one of three goals in the um, in, in stoppage time that we'll get to, but yeah, have to say he's certainly um, taking it. Um, any chance he's getting, he's certainly staking a claim. And Ross put a good point in the group chat that while Scotland are pretty much stacked in that um, area, he's put a potential extra option perhaps off the bench for the European Championships next year. Was he serious? I thought he was joking. No, I mean, mate, but listen, he's never no. going to be a starter in this. But but it's an option. Look, Turnbull does what Turnbull does. Do you know what I mean? He comes on, he does a few pirouettes, and he hits a few shots, and one possibly goes in. That, do you know what I mean? It was that's a great goal. I thought that's 16 in the, in the, in the Euros, though, Stephen. <laughs> I think for me, like, with Turnbull, as my concerns aren't his qualities on the ball. It's all off the ball for me. Off the ball, it's it's 10 men. Off the ball, he, he lacks the, the running power. He lacks the athleticism, the endurance to get around the pitch and kind of and play that way that, that Rogers wants to play. I feel like Rogers doing these hand movements. I mean, you, you see him on the TV and you kind of copy him. Uh, Jed Thomas uh, comes in there. Uh, Turnbull is in Celtic class. And uh, look, uh, that's the way I'm looking at it as well. Yeah, his goal was great. I think he gave Roos the eyes, didn't he? Roos thought he was going to the other side and he just whips it around and finds the near post and it was a great finish. And People are on about his, um, his celebration, Anthony. I've seen this for a few Celtic podcasts and a few Celtic media outlets on, on Twitter and things. Do you think that by his lack of celebration, that points to the fact that maybe he's he's leaving the club or he's resigned to leaving the club? Oh, be, to, see, to be honest, man, I've never really thought of David Turnbull as the most overzealous of, of celebrated. He always, you know, he's quite a kind of laid-back kind of character from what, I, from what I've seen anyway, but I, I don't ever recall him scoring and going crazy. Um, so I think that's, that's probably more his personality rather than any sort of, um, you know, where his mental state is, where he is going to be playing next season or if he's going to be at the club or if he's going to be elsewhere. I don't even recall him going particularly animated when he scored for Motherwell either, so... I, I, I definitely take the point. I think there was some criticism with it last week or the week before when he scored and he'd done the, the fingers and the, the ears. ears. Uh, which, that was silly. I mean, there's no... A lot of Celtic supporters. He's somebody that kind of divides opinion, shall I say. Um, but I don't think there's any abuse or, 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 or over-the-top criticism with David Turnbull. I think people generally see what they, what they think. Not all of it's not all of it's praiseworthy, but I don't think it ever goes mm. beyond the, the realms of just constructive criticism, if that's the, the best way to describe Sa- it. San Fran Celtic, Sociedad coming for Palma. We're starting, we're starting the transfer. Leave Palma be for a while. So I mean, leave, leave, him, leave him be for a while. I, I think, as I said there previously, we see his qualities, but yeah, Turnbull, I mean, look, you, you rightly said it. We, we praise him. But at the end of the day, it's it's one of them ones. I don't think he's Celtic class. I think if we get five million for him, we'll be laughing, laughing all the way to the bank. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Paul McFarland comes in <coughs> in the South podcast with Crowley. Get three Anthony's for the price of one. Esther Esther boy, watch out! Spanish side sniffing around Palma. Ian McIntosh, it's like an echo chamber in here. Let's hope none of us have an Amazon echo. See the amount of times I've mentioned that. There's beeps going on all around the country. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> And it's 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 just I don't know, I wish Anthony Simons from Brooklyn <laughs> he talks shake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jimmy Grant Jimmy Grant is good for certain games. I think yeah, that's what Turnbull is. He falls into that bracket where he can bring him on, maybe start a game against a lesser opposition, and I think he'll do a job for you. 
That's happening. And uh, that's what I, I know it seems to be that I'm improving on some people's um, whatever you're listening on tonight. Um, but as I say, we can, we can only apologise. It's, it's out with our control. And we just thought it's better to have a show than no show at all. And I suppose, like you say, Stephen, we were worried about there only being two years on the night. But it's clearly for a lot of people, there's three voices that they're hearing. So it's, uh, it's all good. <laughs> And um, finishing off, um, just really with the with the match itself, Stephen, um, a guy who's chatted about a lot, um, obviously an understudy striker, um, all came on, fits and starts, um, kind of done little bits of off the ball movement when he came on, um, but it looked like it was potentially going to be another one of those days where he didn't be on the score sheet, and you know you just hope that that wasn't the. Um, Going to be one of the ones where it was going to fall away again. Um, it was going to kick on from his goal the other week. But I have to say, thanks to Palmer's wonderful right foot, at number five, um, with a brilliant range header. Um, good celebration as well, you know, with the, he's right, you know, looking after his right foot. It was uh, quite funny. And then right at the end, um, took his goal absolutely brilliantly, clean through. And it's one of the areas where we've always felt that O's sort of struggled since he's came in. That one-on-one, decisive moment, take your chance. And um, he ran on, gave the goalkeeper absolutely no chance for number six. Um, you have to say, um, we can only, you know, got a lot of criticism. I think some of it valid, some of it a little bit over the top, but there's uh, no denying that he seems to be hopefully starting to come into a bit of a rhythm now. Yeah, I think as well, since we spoke about it, oh, on that on that podcast, he's came to life. I feel like he's watched it, translated it, and, and ran with it. But um, I'm so happy for him. I think there's a, a real good player in there with a lot of potential. He, he's raw. He, you, know I mean? you have to kind of refine his game, and I think Rodgers is the best coach to do that. We've seen him do that with multiple players when he first came into Celtic, Kieran Tierney, Callum McGregor, Scott Brown. He changed his game. And I think with O, what we're seeing is a different size to him. I mean, the Palma assist, poor... It was absolutely, it was beautiful. Like, and it was, I'd see them outside of the food kind of crosses. You have to get them pinpoint perfection. And he just whipped it with it. And all O had to do was connect with it. It was, it was like Palmer's cross for Yang. It was just pinpoint precision. And he, he headed it. And that's two headed goals were scored in the game. And it's very rare you see Celtic score headed goals. I mean, and it's just fantastic to see. And you made a great point. See that kind of. Maybe last season when like it's no slight or no dig of Pasta Caldwell, but if O's doing that again one on one with a keeper with a forty yard run, he's got time to think. And I, I think personally he makes the wrong decision last season. But if with Rogers and, and the coaching that he implements, I think he's he's made the right choice and again he gave Roos the eyes, he opened his body up to go kind of round him and whip it into the right hand side, but he took the the near post and I finished it in the left, like a Turnbull did for his goal and that will do his confidence the world of good. So that will bring his game on and he'll get used to coming off the bench now. He'll get used to getting that field for score, the scoring goals. We've seen Jack and Marcus do the same. He eventually started scoring from the bench and then he started getting into the team and taking advantage of injuries or, or taking advantage of loss of form. And maybe O can do that as well because I genuinely believe, Anthony, there's a great player in there. He, he's he's quick over the ground. I think he's a good hold-up player. I mean, he's, he's an eye for a pass as well. And not only that, I think Roger said it too. He brings others into play. So you can bounce the ball off him. If you're a midfield player, it's it's great. Like John Hartson used to do, if you're a Lubo passing into John, you know he's holding the ball up. You know you can get up close to him and you can affect the play closer to their goal. And I think with, with O, if you're O'Reilly, if you're playing that ball into his feet, he's holding that up. You're making the run. And it's all these things that come in different variations of play. If we're needing something different, if Kyogo's maybe not having the best game, you can switch it with a two or bring Kyogo off. And we've seen Rodgers do that more and more, especially with the two up front. He's experimenting. And I think Jed Thomas here, says it as well, always physical. Yeah. And that's one thing we don't have in the striker. Jack and Mac has left that void and always come in, took time to adapt, but he came from, he's coming from South Korea. It's not like he's coming from down the road or Poland or, or Holland. He, this guy's had a whole transition of life. Yang's the same. Quan to a certain extent, but no, I don't think we're ever going to see Quan in, in the Celtic shirt again. But I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing for him. And I do believe... What's that? Three goals, maybe four goals already this season. I think he'll finish in double figures if he keeps going at the, the, the pace he's going at. And I think for um for Kyogo as well, having competition again, having someone who's sniffing and, and ready to take the opportunity, will push his game on to another level because it's all about competition for places, Anthony. There's no point 
like Joe Hart, for example, there's the, he, he's comfortable in the thought that he knows he's going to be number one. Like, he's not going to wake up one day and Rogers is going to secret suspend your shite. That's never happening. Like, Greg Taylor at the minute, he knows he's number one because uh, Burnaby's on the drink every day, even though he came on, th- to be honest. Do you know what I mean? My friend was back in the pits. But, he came on and he had a decent um, couple of overlaps and good um, through passes as well. Do you think perhaps there's an opportunity, even with the fact that, um, obviously, as we say, Taylor is going to be the one that yeah, it's, it's his jersey at the moment, but do we say that perhaps it's not necessarily completely over for Burnaby? There might be a little bit of an option. I mean, yeah, but San Fran, I don't know if this is Joe. O is a much better player than Hartson was. What? I mean, I, I hope that's a, like, look, that's a big call. I, I think what maybe uh, the person means is possibly link up play, maybe holding the ball up and skill, speed. Maybe I'll give you that, but I think Plunge McNugget says here, Harson was a goal machine. Oh, has a long way to go to match him. Uh, Sam Fran again. Greg Taylor's a wasted jersey. This this isn't me, by the way. I'm not typing this. Uh, people will be thinking that's for me. Uh, Jan Thomas, uh, Harson was fantastic for us, 100%. Uh, but... In regards to Burnaby, I still think he, he, he has potential. And it's almost like, do, do you ever get, I don't know, do you ever get when you were young, right? And you started a job and you're like, you show potential at it and you start kind of dipping a wee bit. You get called in by your manager, like you need to buck up your ideas. You've, you've got, we, we know what you can do. You hit a spike again and then it goes downhill and then suddenly, I don't know where you go back up again. I think Burnaby's like that. Burnaby's one of the, I think he's, in his own head, I, I don't think he listens to the instructions very well. I think Rogers might have a very tough time coaching him. I know I said at the start of the season, and I was deadly serious. Not going to say I was joking. I thought that Burnaby would be number one left back by Christmas. I mean, if there's a clip for TikTok, by the way, that's the clip. That that's the clip of all clips. Me saying that. Do you know what I mean? But Burnaby for me, it could be like oh. So we might get trusted more games and, and, and coming off because especially with the injuries we have now, I mean, Mieta's going to be out. Uh, Mickey Johnson's not on the bench again. So there's spaces open up in the squad and Burnaby can play that kind of auxiliary winger. Do you know what I mean? Kind of wing-back wing back position and, and that's so Rogers might like that kind of uh, versatility in his game. And look, and uh, <laughs> Pam, uh, for Frick 16 and for the Burnaby, I, I don't know. I, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still holding a wee candle. Uh, for him, Corvo's given up on him, but I haven't. I think I, I, I think to me, in, in my opinion, if he if if he knuckles down, if he stays with it, and if he actually gives us all, I think he'll be a player. And uh, look, and there's Robert Davy, Stephen, he's going to be a player for us. Yeah, again, I said it about O last season. People were writing O off. I said he had potential, and multiple people did. But I've seen that lots of people saying that he's not good enough. He'll never be in a Celtic shirt. He won't score fifteen plus goals. For me, Burnaby's in the same boat. And I feel sorry for him because I think all the abuse he gets is is a bit unjust. We haven't really seen him get a run of five or six games in the team. Albeit that's because Taylor's form has been somewhat consistent and good. But there, for me, there's opportunities for Burnaby this season because Greg Taylor hasn't been the greatest. I think we can all see that. I think his performance levels have dipped. But that's up to Burnaby to show he can do a job and Rogers is the, the guy who... You have to place your trust in to make the right call on that one. Yeah, it's 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 fair enough, mate. I just thought I'd bring it up just because he, he did come on yesterday and you know he he did show some decent flashes and I just definitely did think of oh, Stevens watching us, which I knew you would have been. I thought you'll be sitting there like a proud dad. Just, uh, yeah. I am proud of him. I'm proud of him. It was, do you know, do you know what was so funny? See before he came on, like <laughs> so they were lined up. You were at the game, weren't you? I was, yeah. I see you might not have seen it, but Burnaby was coming on, and like Rogers had this big cheese and grin, and he literally gave him the hardest, like, kind of high five in the world. It was like, there's no way, like, come on, son, show me what you can do, you know, that type of thing. And he was so happy for him to get on the pitch. And see, his heart, <laughs> he does, he does put on the pitch, he's like a big child, he is like a big kid. That's all you can describe, Maz, at the minute. But look, I hope he comes good. I still think there's a player in there. I don't know how much longer we're going to get away with saying it in this podcast, but for now, I'll keep saying it. Uh, no, no, fair enough, mate. That's what the show's all about. It's all about opinions. Um, 
Well, it's well, well, kind of the, the, the coverage of the game uh, done tonight, but I wanted to go back on not just one, but two podcast clips from, uh, not from our show, um, there are other podcasts out there, folks, but we obviously recommend it first. Uh, first one, Stephen, is um, some comments made by another former fan favourite of yours, well, one of your favourites, not one of the fan favourites, has to be said, but I thought just with the fact that we always make a big thing about, you know, it's going along the screen at the bottom of the minute, taking care of your mental health, etc., Former Celtic goalkeeper, um, the CS podcast, um, was getting interviewed in a, a Greek um, sporting podcast, and he said that whilst they didn't regret moving to Celtic, he, he, he obviously he doesn't miss us, shall we say, not in anything against the club, but it was just that time in his life. Obviously, everything was up in the air with COVID, etc., and he says it reached the point where he's always loved his football, but it, for the first time ever, it felt like a job. Mm-hmm. And he was very, very low. Um, couldn't see his family. You know, he couldn't go out in the city or anything to, to socialise. And um, yeah, he just a bit of a dark place, it has to be said. Man, you're listening to it. And I actually think, to be fair, we kind of discussed that a few times on the show with him. Um, there's, there's no denying that he's. You don't become the Greek number one goalkeeper if you've not got talent. I think we can um, sort of. Agree with there. It maybe just has been the case of perhaps the the right club, the right move at the absolute wrong time. Um, going for a ten in a row, historic, big money move. Obviously, there was a lot of issues backstage, but back behind the scenes with Celtic in the goalkeeping department that summer, it's maybe just created this perfect storm where this young guy has been thrown in the deep end and. Just, just generally struggled not just on part, but off it as well. Yeah, there's another comment there by Chloe about the echo. There's an, there's an echo, but it's it's a streaming platform issue, and I hope it's sounding better than it was at the start. It, it sounds better in my headphones, but you guys are the ones watching this that keep keep us on track with it. But um, I think Barcast, look, not to get deep here, but anyone struggling with mental health and and like issues like that. It, I think it's good to speak about it and, and get it off your chest. And we, we've always had the numbers of, of the various char- charities on the screen there, as you can see, if you ever need help or someone to talk to, even ourselves as well. But, I mean, Barcast is probably the case of uh, right place, wrong time. One of them ones, I mean, coming into that season, no fans, everything was uh, like COVID, the restrictions, he couldn't get his family over. And like you said, I mean, Greek number one, played against us in the Champions League, looked like a world beater, came to us and eventually he let the world beat him beat him up. Do you know what I mean? He let everything get on top of him and his mental health got poorly affected by that. That's the, the other aspect of life. It's like the Deli Alley situation. Isn't it? We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. We 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 just see the face of it and they're not performing and they're they're not doing well for our club or a certain team and we're going, they're, they're crap, get them out the door. They're doing this wrong. Do you know what I mean? Sell them, transfer list them, loan them out. It's the human aspect of it, and I think sometimes footballers, for me, should open up more and just be human with everybody and, and tell them the struggles. And it's it's almost like, well, yeah, again, they're big enough and old enough to take criticism and stuff like that. But with, with Barkas, I think for me, he became from if you look back on his situation, like he didn't even look like he enjoyed being in nets. Like when he was even in nets for us, he was so quiet that you never heard him shouting. I mean. If there's any season here, you're shouting as a COVID season, it's behind closed doors. There was no presence about him. There was nothing there. And you could see the telltale signs he just wanted away. He's a man who given up on, on himself in the club. And look, he got the move to where he is now. You tracked, I think it is, in, in Holland. And I think he's doing well there. And he's really found the love again for football. It's a bit like a bit like Joe Hart, isn't it? He fell out of love with football and he didn't know if he was going to continue playing. Then Anne's post the call, we rang him, sold him the dream at, at Celtic Park, and he's, he's coming in and he's loved it ever since. And I just think the human aspect of things is something we don't see from footballers enough because it would make us relate to them more. I mean, me, myself personally, I've been through a, a tough year, mental health and, and issues in my own personal life. And if I didn't speak about them, God knows <laughs> what I'd be up to now. So I mean, and this podcast and other individuals like my mom and, and, and family members, granny and granddad, they've helped me through all that, friends and, and stuff. So I mean, so putting you back in and into the real world and not letting you step away and just kind of become the shell yourself. And I hope Barca's had that from the club. I hope Barca's had the help. I'm sure he did. 
So, I mean, we facilitated this move to Utrecht, we cancelled his contract, and he essentially left the club for free, even though we spent £5 million on him. So, that's testament to the club for doing that, in my opinion, losing out money. But, um, yeah, it's 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 tough to read that, I mean, because at the end of the day, we've, we've all been there in life where, where, where things come all at once and you don't know how to deal with it. And especially, I mean, if you're in a situation, you can't see your family. I think that's the, the worst the worst feeling in the world and if you, if the thing you love becomes a job and becomes something you don't even want to get up to go to train for then you know there's an issue there and i'm actually glad he, he's it looks like he sought help and he, he's left the club and, and on the better things obviously not a bigger better club but just for him to, to kind of find his love again for football and, and be closer to his family and his loved ones and that's key for any individual it doesn't matter if you're if you're elon musk or or jeff bezos or, or whatever you need your family around you and family's the key and Again, if they're not with you on your journey or they can't get to you, the only way you can speak to them is via video call and stuff. It's it's not the same level. It's not the same thing. And I hope he continues on on the trend and keeps going the way he's going. And do you know what I mean? And, and all the all the best to me and Franny, mate, my daily duo partner. We we loved him. We continued to train for a long, long time. And look, there's a goalkeeper in there, and I'm sure he'll get back to his top form and, and he'll be Greek number one sometime soon again. Yeah, absolutely, mate, and, uh, and good luck to him. Um, this one, Dave, you know, it's a different subject, it's more on the, the football on the front. But um, it's once again um, one of our favourite songs, Chris Sutton. Absolutely, not only Leon, he's masked about um, Celtic and his love for the club, but I thought it was absolutely fantastic in the way that he dealt with um, the latest um, podcast show he was on. Um, for those that aren't aware, he was on a on podcast a, with um, Daily Mail, Daily Mail um, sports writer Ian Ladyman. No, say no more. Um, um, <laughs> who, took, who decided last week. Now, Stephen, before I ask your views on this, I have to stress this isn't about Celtic in Europe, per se. Okay, so we don't have to go down. We don't all have to open that can of worms tonight. But this is just. Um, uh, with regards to Scottish football in general. So let's we'll, we'll keep on that track because I know that you're uh, I know you do love a uh, wee uh, chat about Celtic in Europe. But uh, I've only done But uh, Ian Ladyman basically said um, along the case that Scottish at Celtic, why would Brendan come back to, to Celtic? It's, um, without using the term, we basically rubbish the league, called it a farmer's league. Um, but, you know, it's, there's, there's nothing for him to earn, for him to gain by being here. Um, and basically just running Scottish football, and you, you use the term like mediocre and, and things like that. Chris Sutton, just listen to all this coming in and just gave him back both barrels in a way that only Chris Sutton can. He um, lambasted his facts and uh, or his opinions is nonsense. Um, he says he went, this is why Scottish um, um, football fans can't get a, get a stick English pundits. He says he's come up, he's so patronising. And he says, OK, bad result for Celtic last week. But he says, interesting that these bastions of English football and writing decide to pick that week to you know, have a kick at Celtic and Scottish football when Manchester United are sitting bottom of their group. When Newcastle United that have more money than God are sitting bottom of their group as well. Um, and he talked about it being a one a one horse race and and uh, basically he was like, How many have Manchester United been at Manchester City won in the last six years? Five trophies, five in the last six. Which he um Ian Ledeman at that point was quite quickly wanting to change the subject, shall we say. But it was just basically to phase Sutton and get your, your thoughts on him, not just for he's how he always sticks up for Celtic, but how he's more than prepared to give both barrels back to these English pundits and say that Scottish football's, you know, was far from perfect. Absolutely far from perfect. But um there's a lot to love about it as well. Yeah, I think I mean, us in this podcast are big advocates for Scottish football, albeit we complain about it, the finances and stuff like that, but it's still the, it's the league we love. And I used to have the same argument, and and I guess this is the truth, by the way. I remember being like in, in secondary school and people supporting Chelsea, Liverpool, or United and stuff, and they're, they're going to me, did you watch match of the day? This is, this is the truth. This may sound a wee bit messed up, but did you watch match of the day? And I'd be like, nah, what's sports thing? I want Celtic, I want St Mirren, I watched all these clubs. and it's, it's because I genuinely have a passion for Scottish football as well as for Celtic. I mean, you've heard me bang on about Aberdeen's transfer policy and I love the fact that they're signing players from 
outside of the Scottish League. I love the fact that Hearts are trying to sign players from Japan and all these teams trying different recruitment models. It's the only way you're going to going to improve the game. Don't have the best finances world, but if you be smart about your recruitment, about your data analysis, then you can pick up a player for them clubs. They're cheap. I mean, we do it ourselves, but at a slightly larger scale. And it's it's just um, it's it's one of these things that uh, annoy the life out of me. And Chris Sutton, I mean Chris Sutton, John Hartson, people of, of that kind of stature, always stick up for the Scottish game. Not only Celtic, but the Scottish game in general. The, the, I mean, the Scottish game was so kind to Chris Sutton. He made his name. He was a legend for us. John Hartson too. Multiple players have come up here and became legends, and also done it on a European level. So I mean, getting the Seville beaten. Juventus beating teams of that nature as well. So it can be done. This whole pace narrative from from English pundits and, and English sports fans that the, the SPL is a backwater. It's it's boring. It it's like, oh, is that all you is that all you can say? So I mean, because if you look at the English league, I mean City won a travel last year. They've been basically monopolizing the English League for a good few years, in, in my opinion. Sometimes you get a challenge from Liverpool won a few leagues. I think it's been between them the last maybe six, seven years, Anthony, am, am I correct in that? So if you're looking at a two-horse, one-horse race, it's right in your own doorstep, mate, in the English Premier League. So, I mean, so the, the concept as well, bringing money into the equation, and we've talked about this on multiple occasions, but if you look at Manchester United, for example, they're awful at the minute. And it's it's their recruitment policies just shot the bits. They're, they're just trying to sign pluck players out of thin air, just guessing if they're going to work and it doesn't happen like that. Newcastle, I think, are getting used to having money. Eddie Howe might not be the man to, to get the best out of them, but I think Corvo might might have something else to say in the top because he's doing well in the English Premier League. So there, there, there's different aspects to it. Like, it's always been the same thing. I mean, up until maybe 20... I mean, our last result against the English team would have been City. We drew them twice. We were the first team to take a point off a of Pep Guardiola t- uh, side that season. And then after, City went on a losing streak because we showed teams how to play against them. That was Rodgers that done that for us. Do you know what I mean? Rodgers kind of brung that and we drew with them the daddy had. We had a fantastic game and drew with them at Parkhead. And our, our record against the English teams isn't too shabby. I mean, we beat United, we beat Liverpool, we beat Blackburn, we beat multiple teams. Do you know what I mean? So, again, it's, it's just boring... Shade, and I always notice as well. If a Scottish club does well in Europe or gets a result, there's a there's a mitigating factor to why they got the result. There's an issue to why they got the result. Just for example, if, if Celtic were playing, I don't know Lazio. I mean, actually won a Parkhead. You would get the the same pundits and talk sports saying Lazio were missing seven key players. So it's it's just all stupid things like that. The result was meaningless. There was nothing really up up the thing in the game or up for grabs and. It's the same old, same old, and it's the Simon Jordan. Uh, who else could you name? Well, who's your man? Jason Conde. Oh, I, I can't stand Jason Conde. I cannot stand that man. And then what? What do you call him? Lady face. Lady face or lady man? The, well, he's getting paid to push shit about Scottish football. Like, what do we? What else can they say about the game that we don't already know? <laughs> We've got no money. Yeah, I know. You, you have crap stadiums, yeah, I know. But it's them crap stadiums that we love going to. It's the it's winning the league that we love doing. And people always ask. I heard a man, when I drive home from work, there's that wee drive thing on with Bent. I think, is it Darren Bent or Gabby? I, I don't know. It's like after five. I'm driving home listening to it. They had a Celtic fan on the other week. And they asked him a question. And they were like, uh, do you find it boring winning the league? And he's like, no. I love winning the league. That's, that's our bread and butter. We win the league year in, year out. I'm a happy man. That's the way we all are supporters. We, we know European football can be better. We can spend another hour talking about that. But at the end of the day, we play in Scotland. We can only win trophies in Scotland. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't so long ago with the EPL and, and their, their chairmans rejected the chance of us and the dead club going down and joining the league. So obviously they're scared of something. That proves a point to me. And I don't get... if you, The whole thing as well about us not having money and they need to move out of that league to do better. I'm taking the conversation on a different road here. But if, if you look at it, I mean, Wrexham, Swansea, Cardiff, Welsh teams playing in the English pyramid. Mm-hmm. So Celtic, Scottish team, still technically a part of the United Kingdom, as they like to call it, when they so choose. Fair and equal partners. Why, why can't we join that pyramid? So, do, do, do you know what I mean? It's it's shambolic, it's boring, and it's the same old crap season after season. And do you know what rolls up the paper and shoves it up all their arses? Anne's Postacogli. 
and Postecoglou's went into Tottenham and transformed them, albeit the last two games in a row. But before that, they were all beaten. A fantastic run. He was taking the league by storm. And I'm sure he will again. He's just suffered a few injuries. It's the whole issue that we're saying when he first went in, he's going to get relegated. He'd be number one for the sack. Turns out the number one for the sack is like Ten Hag and Pochettino and all these managers. Postecoglou's safe in the job. <laughs> and he came from us. So, fuck them. My, my, my favourite one always is these English journalists. They always say, oh, they, they, they're forever stuck in the past. All they ever go on about 67. Forgetting. They're, they're, they've had the hand, but he ought to speak about since 1966. So, you know, at least we've got one year on them. Um, Scottish football, for all its faults, is something, you know, we all love, and it's got a hell of a lot of character than, the, uh, than anything, any of the soulless nonsense down south, certainly at Premier League level, anyway, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, Stephen will we'll call it a night for me. I think um, we'll probably, you know, the audio problems have, uh, it's probably played a part tonight. I apologise to everyone that's uh, the inconvenience, but hopefully we'll have it sorted for next time. Um, if you don't mind, Stephen, I'm just going to say thanks to everyone just out, and I'll leave it to you to do the, uh, the famous outro and everything, because I think your cut sound's coming across better than mine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's grand. Apologies again, folks, and... Uh, Thanks for listening and thanks for sticking with us and I'll hopefully see you soon. And uh, I'll leave it to the captain of the ship to do, the, to do all the exit stuff. I mean, and also remember, join us on the TikTok journey. End the Cells podcast, get in about it, cracking videos on there, good short clips you can get your, your teeth stuck into and have a laugh of yourselves. And look, again, the audio issues, it's not us, it's actually the streaming platform and we, we can only apologise about that. I wish there was a technical expert that could fix everything, but unfortunately, we can at the moment. But I enjoyed tonight's podcast and I will see we well, Friday for our usual podcast at 8 o'clock. And until then, stay well, keep safe. Hail, hail.